And welcome back. I'm Mike with the Turntable Teachers, and class is back in session. Here for another guest speaker episode at AOA Studios. If you're an artist, podcaster, content creator of any kind, make sure you hit us up at aoastudios.org. We are running specials on all of our services uh, over the next few months, so make sure you take advantage of that. And I am joined today by a very, very special guest, a man that I have uh, started to become quite good friends with, man. And this is, I think I this, say so. this is going to be a pretty fun episode. I've, yes. You know, I agree. it's because it, I've, <laughs> uh, I've been dying to have you on for a while, and I think. We waited for the perfect opportunity to do it. It is the perfect time right now. So uh, everyone, please give a warm welcome to Chase. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Of course, man. How are you? What's going on? I'm good. I'm just enjoying this nice weather out. It's a little, little hot today, but it's nice in here. We got a little little shade. And yeah. Well, it's been like chillier lately. Yes. The weather's been all over the place. It's almost like we live in New England. It's Right? Right? Look at us talking about the weather. Yeah. What a, what a riveting conversation. <laughs> uh, we have a ton to talk about here. Um, first off, I really want to start off with the objective, which is where we get to know you a little bit, yeah. your background, different things like that. So you're originally from Connecticut. Yes. Um, and you now reside in Quincy. And yes. you've been in Massachusetts for a little while now, right? At least quite a while. Quite 2012 a while. is when I moved up Okay. Here. So yeah. a little over 10 years. Um Rapper, singer, vocalist, multi-instrumentalist, producer, engineer. Uh, you run a record label, kind indie record label, pretty much. Mm-hmm. A group like you really just do it all. And I think that's where we kind of like really hit it off and we get relate along. heavily on that. Like <laughs> I can't do one thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you kind of do it all, and I, I'm, I'm just genuinely curious, like where it all started for you, like growing up in Connecticut, like you know, as a as a musician, like. Where where did music sort of fall in and start for you? Like, was it at a young age? Did you fall into a little bit later? And like, where did what which one of these was your start? Because I know you again, you play so many instruments, yeah. you produce, you engineer, yeah. you're a singer, you're a rapper. Like, what was like the entry point for you? It's sort of a roundabout story. I want to say that like school was the start of it. So I went to um, a Waldorf school, which if you know what that is, you're one of the few. Um, it's a kind of odd sort of artsy approach to um raising kids um and it was like art heavy and music heavy i started singing and playing violin and recorder essentially like right away um and i didn't love it but i always gravitated towards creative stuff and i always have been a performer and like a, I like attention <laughs> So, really you sure about that yeah you know so i i just always i always was entertaining people i was always trying to make people laugh i was always trying to sing and dance literally since i was a little kid I mean, there's actually a funny story that I, I talk about on my project um with my mom it says that we're sitting down i recorded we're having a conversation we have this conversation about how easter i'm probably like three years old or something like that uh my grandma and my mom we all went out to uh brunch at this place and it's like this kind of beautiful old kind of hole in the wall Connecticut uh, buffet style fancy kind of spot. And um, there's like a giant uh, stone hearth there. And in the middle of brunch without any prodding or any like, hey, can I do this, mom? I walked over to the hearth and uh, I built it out the entire theme song to The Lion King in front of the entire <laughs> room full of people. I was probably like three. Um, and... Uh, Every, you know, everyone stopped what they were doing, listened to me. I uh, I nailed the vocal performance. And, nice. um, you know, 
uh, I got a big round of applause. All these people thought, oh, this is the cutest thing ever. I go over and sit down at the table, and this uh, elderly gentleman walks over, and he uh, was a Broadway producer. And he goes to my mom and grandma and goes, I know one when I see one, and this kid has it. Call me when he gets older. No shit. This is a true story that happened to me at age three. So I... I've, this is, was my destiny. I've known it for a long time. You know, I think a lot of kids when they're young are like, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. I have always known what I wanted to do when I grown up. My problem was slimming the herd so I actually could realistically accomplish anything because there were so many things I wanted to do with my life. Right, right. I think at age, probably like 14 or 15, it was clear that like, it is music that was the thing and um you know i played in so many bands i think my first band where i actually started to take stuff seriously was like um summer camp with some friends yeah and they you know parents had brought up instruments because they liked to jam and we were like what if we there's a talent show at the end of the week what if we do a performance and that was i think the first the first time i really started a band and i picked up the bass and i learned it in a couple days and we wrote a song and did it and that was kind of the beginning of all that that was sixth grade oh wow um and that's that was my first band and that that band had different iterations same members different people coming in and out and, yeah as, as bands sometimes yeah do. you know the, yeah. and these are guys that i grew up with and i would say the majority of these guys um i am still friends with till this day and um are most of them are still doing music on some level um you know I had, I had a good group of people around me i was very lucky to yeah. have a you know a crew of guys that like wanted to like explore that and um interesting the i could go on forever that's <laughs> <laughs> so no that's a really interesting because i never knew that story yeah. i know you were in like a couple of like rock and metal bands too weren't you yes yeah uh, because i was the kid that could play any instrument that you put in my hand I got a. I was in a lot of different bands at, wow. at the same time, particularly like end of middle school, early high school. I was playing punk, metal, reggae, alternative stuff, um, and then you know it kind of developed into. I had a, like a long obsession with like the jam band scene for a while. Um, I, I I did it all, and I was like, you know, I learned a lot of these instruments because you know. Everybody wanted to be a guitar player. Everybody wanted to be a drummer. So I'm like, all right, I'll learn to sing. All right, I'll learn huh. to play bass. All right, I'll do this. All right, I'll do that. You know, and I just kind of fell into it. Huh. That's pretty crazy. And like, so you just felt like it naturally came to you to like pick up these instruments. Like you've you've had no formal training or anything like that. I've had formal training, but um, I'm dyslexic. I can't read music. Um, and I think what it was for me is that life was hard. School was hard for me. This was the only thing that was easy for me, huh. effortless. Like I just picked it up and I could do it. I mean, I remember the first time I sat down on a drum kit, nobody showed me what to do, and I just started playing it, and wow. I sounded good. And I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I don't know why that happened. It just, you know. But I sit down and try to do like basic math homework, and I can't fucking focus at all. <laughs> right, right. So <laughs> it's a uh, we all have our strengths. Yeah, and you know, I think I just got really lucky that what I, my strength is something that I like love doing. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that. And then for you in terms of like honing in on like certain sounds, I know that like when you kind of first burst onto like the Massachusetts scene, you were going as Seaspring. Like, yes. So some people might recognize you as Seaspring and not yeah. as Chase because you've completely rebranded yeah. to this to, to go to Chase. We'll, and we'll get into a little bit of that later. But I guess my question to you is like when you were when you first got to Massachusetts and like that was kind of the next stage of your you know life, but also music career. Yeah. 
how did you sort of like start to formulate your sound? Because I know you were rapping a little bit more earlier on, right, when you were here. Yeah. And then how did you sort of like figure out? Because, I mean, I feel like you do both very well now. You can rap, you can sing, you obviously produce your yeah. own music and engineer. So like when did you sort of sit down and start to be like, I'd like to start making my own solo music and like getting immersing yourself into the yeah. Massachusetts scene? So with rap, that was a funny um, – how that started is kind of funny. Um this goes back to high school and uh, goes back to the band thing, actually. Uh, I want to say it like towards the middle end of my junior year of high school, I had had a band and it just was sort of fizzling and guys weren't putting in the effort and stuff. Yeah. Love you guys. This is no diss. <laughs> <laughs> no, li- listen, sometimes it happens, yeah. right? It yeah. just, it's Well, I mean, you know, in life changes. People right. want to do different kinds of music. They want to hang out with different people or maybe right. they just want to do something else with their life and that's fine. Um, but at that time I had been struggling because I really, really, really was super focused on music and I wanted to be playing in bands. I wanted to be playing gigs and I was frustrated because I felt like, man, I, I want to get stuff done, but because I'm, I'm used to the band, the unit, the group, and I don't have people who are taking this as serious as me right now. What do I do? And I have been a massive hip hop fan my entire life, but like most white kids that grow up in the middle of nowhere, like you don't really think that's something that's realistic or what you could do with your life. Um, and a friend of mine from high school approached me because he had been doing rap stuff for a while. And he was like, Hey man, you're always doing music and recording. You got, you know, stuff at your house to do this. Like, I'm trying to do this stuff. Like, do you want to mess around with it sometime? We'll hang out. Like, I was like, screw it. Come over. Let's go do it. And we messed around and we download, you know, ripped some beats off of YouTube, put it on my recorder and just like sent it. And we're like, "Mm, see how it goes. And I fell in love and I was terrible. Um, I was genuinely terrible at rap when I started because no matter how much a fan of the culture you are, um, you got to put the hours in and just like any instrument or anything else that you do or anything you learn in your life, you got to put the hours in and uh, I loved it. And, um, I just kept working and working and working and working now simultaneously. I'm also, um, really focused on guitar because I see that as my only means to, um, go to music school, um, and that was the only thing I was interested in doing. I had everybody in my family's pushing me to like, you got to apply to this college. What about this college? And I was like, nope, Berkeley College of Music. It's the only place I'm applying. It's the only thing I'm focused on. I graduated high school. I took a year off and all I did was practice guitar for a year. So I was really focused on hip hop and then it kind of took a back seat because I needed to make sure I got in. <laughs> and I got out of my town and I was able to, you know, take the next steps of my life. So I did that. So rap kind of took a back seat for a bit, and when I got to college, I was playing in bands, I was being a guitar player, and I really thought that was my thing, and I was rapping a little bit. Um, so that was like 2012 to 2014. So it was just kind of like a little bit here and there, kind of dancing around it, but it wasn't as serious. Now, I had the artist name. That was something I came up with in high school when I was a junior, and if you can't tell, it's very 2010. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but uh, it it was just sort of like, a you know, the same kind of situation that happened in high school happened with my college band where it rotated back to like, I don't have guys to rely on. So I need some other type of music that I can do by myself. Right. And that was always the appeal of hip hop is that I can sit in the room by myself. I can make my own beat. I can record myself. I can mix myself. I can write it. I can do everything by myself. Yeah. You don't need to worry about any, like relying yeah. on somebody else. Some to, inexpensive right. gear. You can buy a guitar center and any computer you can make in a mic you can make some stuff and right. that was my goal and my my um focus with that so the band started to fizzle a little bit i could tell that wasn't really going anywhere and i said you know what one i don't think i want to be a full-time guitar player anymore 
Um, I was dealing with like hand issues, like carpal tunnel type stuff and cramping. And I'm like, man, just playing for three hours, trying to do wedding gigs and playing this music that I don't like just to barely pay my bills. I'm like that, you know, if I'm going to struggle, I want to do it on my terms. Yeah. That makes um, sense. And I'm not going to sell myself short on what I feel like I can achieve if I'm just willing to sacrifice and put in the work. So I was like, right. you know what? Screw it. I'm, I'm going to be a rapper. And I put my head down and I spend a ton of time networking and meeting people and going to shows and finding, you know, back then SoundCloud was still popping and for like the stuff that I do. So I'd be trying to find people in the Boston scene through that. And, um, Chin, who I, you haven't met yet, but you will, um, he, that's how I met him. He was kind of the first person that came into the MindFlex sphere. And then also the first artist to like push me to up my game lyrically nice, and nice. take that next step. Um, yeah, I but am. you didn't last at Berkeley, right? Because you you, no. you you went for a little while and it didn't it didn't work <laughs> Sim- out. <laughs> similar to high school, um, I am terrible at school. Um, I'm a really hard worker, but I just don't I don't like how things are taught to me. I don't like being told what is important when I know what's important, and I'm trying to like reiterate to the teachers like, hey, this is what I'm trying to do with my career, and you're not offering me the opportunities I need. Yeah. For those of you that may be in school at Berkeley right now. Be grateful that the hip-hop program has grown to the size that it is because it was nothing when I got there. There was, I think, one ensemble in the hip-hop songwriting class, which was run by Radar Ellis, who is the man. If you don't know him, look him up. He's my favorite person inside of that building. Um, and, you know, it, it, it just didn't have enough for me. Like, I felt like, man, if I'm going to do this, like, why am I here? This is not something that you learn in school. You know, right. but school supported a lot of the other things that I needed to do. Um, the networking was wildly important. You know, when people ask all the time, why are you paying that much money to go to that music school when you could get that same music education other places? The reason is, is because of your classmates. You're paying to go there because you're going to meet all these other people. They're going to be the who's who of, you know, find me one pop album that the half the people that made that album are Berkeley kids. Oh, absolutely. It, it's, you know, there's a lot going on in that school. That's what you're yeah. paying for. That's why you show up. So I'm glad I went. I, I needed to go, but two and a half years is enough. Um, so much so that Berkeley sent me a letter that said, if you don't go to community college and make up these credits, you can't come back. So I was like, see ya. Um, that's awesome. Something that uh, I, I just was at a John Mayer show a couple months ago, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize he was a Berkeley student oh, too, yeah. which is pretty crazy. Yeah, they have like a long, like a line of, you know, popular musicians yeah. that have gone to Berkeley. And, and, I, and so the running joke at Berkeley too, is if you make it to graduation, you weren't working hard enough. That's funny. Yeah. That's Most good, of the kids that really take off. Don't don't like end up last. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if they do, that's fantastic, but it's probably more because their parents wanted them to finish, finish than it was like a good business decision. Fair enough. That um, makes sense. And it's, it's a lot of people. Um, also speaking on the John Mayer thing, the ir- ironic twist that my audition was a John Mayer piece because I was totally trying to, you know, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you were trying to play to that. Yeah. Cut. I know what I'm doing. I like, I like, mar- it. I like marketing. <laughs> Funny. Um, so you leave Berkeley Yep. and then what, what happens from there? So like, cause I, cause I, I don't fall into the equation of meeting you until probably or leaving I knew of you. It's funny because when I first started the podcast, you were somebody that I had started following a while back when you were Seaspring. I want to yep. say like maybe three and a half, almost four years ago. Yep. It was certainly before the pandemic I started following you. I yep. know that for a fact. Because yep. you had a song with Red Shades that I really yes. enjoyed. Yes. Name of it now is, is escaping me. Uh, Beauty and the Struggle with That's Red right. Shades and Kyle Ben. Yep. Yes. Yep. That, yes. Yeah. Um, so I definitely, and I was, I've been familiar with Red Shades for a while. So I definitely was familiar with mm-hmm. you. Um, and then I feel like there was a blip 
in the radar a little bit. I didn't hear a lot from you mm -hmm. for probably a year and a half, mm -hmm. almost two years. And then you show up again, literally on my doorstep for masterclass. Yeah. That was like my, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. I didn't recognize this name. He submitted to masterclass and you're on two songs, which yes. is fantastic. And we're working on some other things, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. But yes. like, this has been a beautiful thing like a partnership yeah. that we're and us working together and I, i've really appreciated my time working with you as in the small capacity that it is and i i think there's definitely room for longevity but you know give me fill in that gap just real quick for me like once you got out of berkeley into like pretty much i would say the pandemic years like what were you doing in that time so um i would say the second i left college chaos sort of ensued um in a good way and a bad way um, I think for a lot of artists, when you're really trying to make it in this, you sort of have to put yourself um, down in the trench. Like you have to force yourself down there because if you can't climb out, you're not going to make it in this industry. Right, right. Like, I'm sorry, you're not. And that's sort of what it was. As I said, you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it the right way. So um, I pushed myself to the brink of <laughs> financial collapse and... I worked. Um, all I did was go to work, make any amount of money that I could doing crap jobs. I was working as a, a bike, doing bike delivery in the city. Oh, shit. Um, keep in mind the year that I, I left Berkeley and started working full time as a bike delivery person was uh, 2014, 2015 winter, which was snowpocalypse. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so I was, yeah. I was delivering you guys pizzas. Trying to make my dreams happen <laughs> during that. <laughs> Meanwhile, while you were driving, you couldn't see when you were. I yeah. literally remember that year yeah. because I remember I'd get to a four way intersection and I, you couldn't see over the, the snowbank. Nope. So you just kind of just, and I'm not religious, but yeah. you did the whole thing. And you're just like, I hope no one's coming and T bones me. Like, that's what it was. It was, it was crazy. I lived in a one story ranch at that time. Whoa. I felt like I lived in an igloo yep. because I couldn't see out my windows. Yep. I was lucky I lived on the fourth floor of a building, so I didn't have to deal with any of that. But it was hysterical. So I lived over um, by Fenway, but oh, literally yeah. right on the fence. Um, and, uh, you know, so many people just parked their cars over there and the classic move of, well, I don't – It's there's so much snow. I don't want to dig it out right now. Well, guess what happened to all those cars? Frozen. They were there for like four months. Oh, my God. <laughs> they were like ice locked into there. The, the state shit. couldn't even tell them. <laughs> That's crazy. I believe it, though. It that was, was, that was, that was a, crazy a wild year. year. That was a wild winter, man. I'll never forget that winter as long as I live. I have, yeah. a, I have a crazy story yeah. about that winter, too. But Me either. I will not. <laughs> that you know, actually, you know, you know that with that story because I said I told it to you, the one, but my BMW almost blew oh, up. Oh, yes. My, yes. I was driving this. I've never told this story on air. This is crazy. <laughs> I was driving. I was dude, getting my, not to cut you. I'm sorry to make no, this about no, my, no, this but, uh, my teacher license, so when you get to, you know, when you're in school to be a teacher, you have to pass what's called the MTELs before yep. you, like, move on to certain phases. So I had to take the MTELs in order for me to get – I had to take two MTELs. They're, like, called the reading and literacy. Um, so you have to take those before you take your subject test as a high school – if you're going to yeah. do high school. So I had to do those before student teaching. So it's February – it's literally Valentine's Day. I'll never forget this. My junior year of, of college – and um, it's I get up on a Saturday morning. Meanwhile, I will say this. My mom can attest this because I went to bed the night before and I told her, I said, can you set your alarm? Because I'm afraid that I'm not going to wake up for this test. I was so anxious that something was going to go wrong. Yeah. I like I believed it in my gut to this day. Sounds that, like you. <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> I was like, I manifested the problem that was eventually going to ensue. So I get up in the morning. I was driving this really old BMW 5 Series. It was probably a 1996 or 1997. So at the time, would have been almost 17, 18 years old. Yeah. 
old car, um, you know, terrible on gas, but whatever. It got me point A to point B. I, I was not going to be picky and choosy at that time. And uh, I get up early in the morning because it was supposed to be like a really, really frigid morning, like below yeah. zero. So I get up 20 minutes early just to start it. So that way it's warm when I get into the car. So start it, go back inside, get ready, come back in, and uh, the car is still not warm. But it didn't really dawn on me at that time. So it's just like, whatever, I'm just going to start driving. So I'm driving. I'm like freezing on the highway as I'm driving. So then it doesn't, and I'm, I'm tired, like, you know, I'm going to take this test. I don't want to take this fucking test. Yeah. And it's whatever. And uh, so I'm driving, and everybody's driving by me and honking at me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what, what, like, what? Like, I'm driving the speed limit. Like, why yeah. is everyone honking at me? Whatever. So this car pulls up next to me and he's motioning at me to roll down my window. Mm-hmm. So I roll down my window. Get mind, we're going like 70 on the highway on 95. Yeah. And he's like, he screams out the window, pull over, your car is on fire. And I look in my rear view mirror and there is a cloud of smoke coming from my exhaust. <laughs> then I pull over and I go to the back of my car to check it out and it's not smoking anymore. But then I go back to the front of the car and now it's smoking out of the hood. Yeah. So I'm like, fuck. I look up. I'm a half a mile off the exit at the coming center in Woburn. So other coming center. Yeah, not yeah. the one we're in now, <laughs> but the one in Woburn. Yep. Half a mile from the exit and like the coming center of from that exit is probably like another half mile. So I'm like a mile away. Yeah. So I like again do the same thing. I'm just like, all right, I'm making it. I'm just going to yeah. get the car there. So I pull on. The car's fucking sputtering. It's, you know, um, you know, people are honking at me. I'm trying to merge. It's a nightmare. I have my, I just throw the hazards on. I just hope for the best. I get off. I'll never forget this part. This is my favorite part of the whole story. I get to a stoplight, literally probably 500 feet from the coming center. And my car is just, it's just smoking. Mm-hmm. And this guy next to me is in his car. He looks at, he looks at me, looks at the hood, looks back at me and just points to it. And I mouth to him. I was like, I know. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, he's like, we're what past, is, we're, we're past that one. Like I'm aware. <laughs> I pull into the car. I pull into the parking lot. The car just – all the lights start flashing in the dashboard. It yeah. just dies. Yeah. Right then and there, it just dies. And I'm not even in a parking spot. It's just it's just, it's just just in the in parking lot. In the middle lot. of the parking lot. I throw the hood up. It's like smoking like crazy. Like it nearly almost went on fire. I guess yeah. my mechanic told me. He's like, this thing could have blown up and you could have died. Long story short, the antifreeze mixed into the engine and seized the engine. That sounds like – And you're a car guy. Yes. So you know, you know the I whole know. thing. So I go in and take this test. Crazy enough, I pass it. And that's a good man right there. Which is wild. <laughs> which is wild that I even passed this test. But then AAA um, took almost eight hours. I won't go through the whole part of this story, but eight hours to tow my car to the point where the coming center, we, they were having another huge snowstorm. Yeah. And they're like, we are going to impound your vehicle if you don't come and get this thing towed. Which at the point, I'm like, I don't even fucking care about this car anymore. Yeah. It's totaled. I yeah. know that it is. Yeah. It's gone. Like, good night. It's over. You're like, but wait, like, wait. So if you impound it, I don't have to pay for the tow fee, right? No, but like. <laughs> <laughs> it was, so every single student I've ever had, if you're listening to this, I risked my life for y'all. I really did. That's a good man right there. I really did. <laughs> to change your lives. So you're welcome. <laughs> anyway that winter was fucking nuts it was, a, it was a rough year for everybody i think <laughs> that was a crazy winter anyway so hey i appreciate that that was that was a lot of uh good insight on your uh on uh your background in, in getting to this point that you're at now and and now you're chase so of course we're gonna get to the main lesson talk about what you what you got going on mm-hmm. now you got a lot going on right now in a good way yes it's awesome um you're about to release or at the when this 
is it out. It might even be out already. If not, it's about to. Yeah. What's the on exact the thir- date? On the 30th. June of 30th. June? Yeah. Okay, so this is so it's already out. Um, still afloat. Six-track EP. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I, how did you get to this point where you're making this type of music? I don't even really know how to describe it because it's not really hip-hop, mm-hmm. but it's not really soul either, yeah. but it's not pop. It's yeah. like it lives in this weird – it lives in like its own – place yeah i cannot even pinpoint a couple of genres it even is to yeah. blend it it just feels like it's kind of its own thing like which is really really cool yeah and i'm really really impressed with this record and it's, Thank you. or this ep and it's not because i like you as a person and yeah. that we started working together like i genuinely am like wow like i'm really yeah. blown away by it i'm blown away by like the fact of it's such a, it feels like this just coming of age sentimental extremely deep record as well from mm-hmm. the writing um, but the production is very lush and just I, I was very moved by this thing. So when it comes to like, I guess this kind of goes back to uh, your like upbringing, because I think this a lot of this EP specifically and then for context for people, this is uh, going to eventually be an 18 track album. It's yeah. going to be like three EPs that you that will roll three into each EPs other. Three EPs that are eventually the third EP is just part of a deluxe album with 18 tracks on it. Cool. Yeah. And so for this part, it feels as though we were kind of going back to your roots, going back yeah. to like a time in your life where, again, you have a song called Young and you know, and a song called Sidewalks. You're talking about like this coming, like sort of coming of age rappers yeah. trying to find their way. Yeah. Um, so did you feel it like to be an, a sense of necessity to like go back to your upbringing from like a subject matter standpoint? Yeah. When it comes to like this, the rebranding of like Chase, because yeah. like almost, this almost feels like an introduction to you as yeah. a person. I think because, and, and I should point this out, that the rebrand was way after the music. Interesting. Um, in fact, Young, the first song on that pro- project, if you don't catch the reference in there. 2018, the, right? So I was. You wrote just, one of them I actually, I was 27 when I started writing this song. you said 28, so. Yeah, so I. I 20, sorry. Yeah. I thought the 2018 mix yeah, up. You said so, you were, you had said you were about 28 yes. when you were, which, yeah. Right. I just turned 31. Um, Happy birthday. Happy belated you. birthday. Thank you. Um, so that was way before all this but i had kind of had the mindset that i kind of wanted to reset and i think i was emotionally attached to the effort i had put into the branding for seaspring not really the name or what it meant and i never really felt like it stood for what i was trying to do now and so out of fear i didn't change the name for a while and my intention was purely just to put this out as a seaspring thing and then I want to say over the last like eight months, I just sort of had this like thought process of like, who cares? Like who right. cares about that? Because the people that are right. going to follow me and stick with me and be a part of this journey are going to do it regardless of what I call myself, you know? No, that's 100%. I, it doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. What it matters to me is that people understand that this art is me. You ask, talk about the genre and you say, well, how do I classify this? I don't, it's me. And I think that's this is the first time in my life where I really am. It's a culmination of everything that I've ever cared about. Genuinely, um, I love so much music. I grew up in a house of music. Neither one of my parents are musicians, but they are massive music fans, and they both like such different stuff. Um, you know, like my dad. You you know, it could be Bill Evans in the morning, and then it could be like Parliament Funkadelic by lunch, and dinner time <laughs> is Eric Clapton. Like, there's not. You know what I mean? Yeah. My mom, it's like, you know, Grateful Dead for breakfast, Michael Jackson for lunch, and Prince for dinner. Like, it, 
it was there was so much it's like a melting music. pot of different music yeah. yeah you know and you know i even with my mom i remember my mom you know you wouldn't expect her if you ever met met her but she's actually the first person that ever played me a hip-hop record and i was very little and she had a quincy jones cassette tape shit and it was quincy jones had been taking a um a, a swing at doing some like hip-hop stuff that he was producing right right and uh back on the block which i believe is ice cube and a couple other people that's the first ever hip-hop track that i ever heard in my life Damn. so it was okay. I've always loved so many different kinds of music. There's very few genres that you can throw at me where I, I can't appreciate it on some level. I'm not a big pop country fan. Um, I'll admit that. Please yeah. don't send me pop country. <laughs> 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 but um, literally, I, I just I love so many different styles of music. And I think I finally figured out how to make my ADD work for me rather than against me. And with this music, I kindly finally hit this like sweet spot where I'm like, man, I can take indie, I can take alternative, I can take hip hop, I can take R and B and it can just be its own thing. And not yeah. not uh classifiable in such simple terms. Right. I wanna play a track for people that haven't heard it yet yeah. just to promote it. So which I have a s I have my favorite song that I really would like to but like which one do you do would you like I, to play? I will tell you this that my favorite song is not on this E P. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. So, from, from the EP. From the EP. Oh, man. Of, the, of the six, which one would you like us to, to throw on? The answer is um, the one that's dedicated to my friend Ben, who passed away a couple years ago. I appreciate Emotionally, that. that's the one that matters the most. I me. appreciate that. I was, that was gonna, that's my favorite song yeah. on the record, too. Yeah. Um, guys, here's a preview of For Ben, a song off Chase's brand new EP, Still Afloat. Uh, we're going to break it down, actually, when, and we'll be right back. Why would you guitar as a dumb instrument? No, guitar is brilliant. You always love this story. You knew me before I knew you. We had a class together, and every week the teacher called attendance, and like one out of five times I'd actually be there. But halfway through the semester, I just completely stopped showing up. The teacher would go, does anyone know where this Chase kid is? We should really get a hold of him. He needs to come to class. Ben eventually was like, dude, he's not coming. Let it go. He used to tell me that story all the time. I'd been in a band with his roommate and childhood friend Van, and I'd build up a bit of a reputation of eccentric behavior and being a little wild. We were definitely a little hesitant the first time you came over with Van to hang out. Of course I pulled out the dab rig and you failed to tell me you had no idea what the fuck was happening there. I loaded up a fat slab and proceeded to get you the highest you'd ever been in your life. I then told you I had made the dab of myself in a crock pot in the alley of my apartment. <laughs> I don't remember all the details, but basically you were having a what the fuck am I doing right now smoking random substances with some random white rapper you failed out of the school I'm trying to graduate from. I'd say that sentiment kind of summed up our friendship as a whole. I guess I always found a way to endear myself to you. Something divine in friendship, brotherhood beyond time. The things we started together, well, it's gonna last forever. Wish we could talk one more time. I show you all that you be. You change me. I was that pain in your head. Laying on the floor, staring at the ceiling, ayy Pour a cup of coffee, speaking on my demons, ayy Feel that buzz in my fingertips, that's penmanship Ran for so long, why I started, can't remember it Feel like I need a membership to success Like if you weren't born into this shit, your whole life been a mess And ever since, been past, my whole life been a mess Can't get a gig, I can't rehearse, my whole existence to stress So fucking stressed, I need to hide out Last time your mom reached out, I couldn't answer, had to slide out 
So fucking guilty, haven't changed. I wish I could. I felt the rain and had to sign out. Everything is pain. I need to cry now. And I don't want to leave my bed, but I gotta try. I'm trying to fortify my mind with love I held inside. And I'm still trying to see the plus side. It's hard to keep my head up when I see another friend die. Heart rushing phone call. Pick up. Yo, Robbie, what's going on? Holding my breath. Say that again. You can't just tell me he's gone. Grabbing the wheel. Losing it. I start to scream. I try not to crash. This work cause a lane. The pressure and pain. I try to reframe. Was high off my ass. Racing. I'm racing. I'm racing. Slam on the door. I'm passing the station. Running upstairs. I'm pacing. I'm pacing. I'm pacing. I'm pacing. But I won't change a thing. We're out of time, now that I'm stuck with the guilt that our friendship was sticky on all of the rocks at the time. How can I look in your parents' eyes? But I promise, we'll be torn, soaring, smoking chronic, jamming, zoning in Bahamas. Lost collective, always rocking. Hey, those were the best of my times. Sharing the stage with you when we play made. All of my days worth life, but how do I live now you're gone? All right, and that was for Ben off of Chase's brand new EP, Still Afloat. It's available on all streaming platforms right now, Spotify, Apple, Tidal, Deezer, wherever you get your music. I don't know anyone that listens to Deezer, but apparently that's, that's like a, a European thing. I is think. it a European thing? Okay, is. so if you're hearing listening in Europe and you use Deezer, linked in the description. Um, wow, so, I mean, that song's heavy. Like, it is very incredibly heavy. heavy. Um, I remember you sent, we were hanging out at your place, and then you sent me the, we were working on the other thing we're going to talk about just a little bit too, mm-hmm. that you and I are working on that's actually at the, uh, that's coming this week, um, if you're listening to this first week of July. And, um, you had sent me the, the project and then the next morning you texted me being like, Oh, like just a warning. If you listen to it, like it's, it's a heavy record. Like yeah. just, you know, yeah. Tread lightly. And I was like, Oh, I've, I've read. I, <laughs> You're I, like, I already listened. To I it. listened to it. I'm aware. And sorry, while I felt a, 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 a compulsion or like, a, um, I felt like a connection to some of these records. The yeah. four Ben one was the one for me too. Yeah. And, um, so I had a friend of mine when I was in high school pass away as well, tragically. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in a car, him and his father were in a car accident and uh, he, the father had a heart attack behind the wheel and they crashed into a pole and they both died, which was incredibly tragic for our, the Danvers community and just everybody that knew him. So I have that as well. Yeah. And I, and I know you give a lot of context. Like I love the skit in the beginning when you're almost like talking to him mm-hmm. and you're like, Hey, you know, I know that, I wasn't the best influence and mm-hmm. you, you are very open and self-aware and admitting to mm-hmm. you. It almost feels as though like you're trying to say like, it almost should have been me and not you in a way. Like, and, and I hate to bring it that, to that point, but truth. like if I get emotional, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> like, and I, 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 I don't it, mean, it I is, don't mean th- everything you're saying is true. And that record was me kind of releasing yeah. the, the, anger i had towards myself yeah so i don't i don't know without getting too emotional and, and by the way one thing i also want to add about the song that i really appreciate and then i want to kind of give you the floor is the anxiety of yeah. the second half yeah. of that verse it, it actually almost is kendrick lamar-esque in a way like it reminds me of that song you where he's in the hotel room mm-hmm. and he's spiraling mm-hmm. and that last verse is just like it's crazy there's like mm-hmm. a heightened emotion there it's almost like you can literally feel the anxiety of how you felt in that moment mm-hmm. of getting the phone call. You're like, wait, what? He's dead? Mm-hmm. What, are you, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And then like not you know, not feeling like you can pick up the phone when his mom calls. Like, all these different things that just like really hit home for me. Um, you know, what was this process like to, to put this song out? And like, how do you, and I guess the second part of the question is like, 
how do you hope it's received by others? Like, do you hope it's received in the way that I'm receiving it? Like, is there another layer element to this that you would like to share about the song? And yeah. like any context you'd like to provide I know, without getting to, you know, too much into it and privacy. I don't want to, you know, no, I mean, too much, but. look, there's one thing that if you get to know me as a person, I don't, my, my private life is my social life. Like I talk about all this stuff. I'm the person that is willing to share the shit that makes people uncomfortable. And I don't, I don't care what, you know, I'm going to share who I am. And yeah. if that makes you think differently about me, that says everything about you and nothing about me. Fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. It's, um, you know, I think with this record, I hope that people that have been through a situation where they've lost someone that they cared about a lot, particularly someone young right. who um, deserved better. Um, I hope that this gives you some level of comfort and gives you the ability to see that like, just because things might not have been in a great place when you lost that person, that doesn't mean that they don't love you and that you weren't important. Um, I was wildly important to Ben. I miss him a lot. Um, sorry. It's okay. <laughs> And this was healing for me. To be honest, this record is very selfish. You know, I hope that it helps people, but I did it for me. I wrote so many, so many songs to honor him, and I threw all of them away. This was the first thing that I did that I felt like actually explained how I felt. Um, and I think for the first time, I was truly calling myself out for the things about myself that I don't like and the things about myself that I needed to fix. Um and the things that he always pushed me to be, you know, to make me better, you know. He was one of those friends that didn't, you know, you could be a, a total fuck up and he'd still love you. And he'd be the first person to get in your face. He was the only friend in my friend group that wasn't afraid to get in my face because at that point in time, I mean, those of you who may know me from the days of Lost Collective when I was doing my residency, I was not necessarily the friendliest person in the world. I was stressed, unhappy with my life. I had a lot of stuff going wrong for me. I'd, I'd say pretty much everything was going wrong for me at that point in my life. And he was that one friend that no matter how bad I got, he's held me accountable. He got in my face. He wasn't afraid to tell me I was wrong. Even when I would snap back, <laughs> he wasn't. He had no fear of me. And that was not <laughs> that was not a thing in my friend group. And I appreciate for him for that. And this is... A lot of this was to honor that person, you know, to show them, like, look, I'm changing. I'm getting better. Um, I'm a different person than I was then, and I'm going to honor, you know, everything. that All that effort, all that time, all that work you put into me as a person, I'm going to honor that. Not to bring this up, but I think it's worth mentioning. Do you feel like your sobriety, like, was was it after he passed? Like, is that... Did no, you... well before. Oh, okay. Um to those who don't know this, I was a full-on drug addict and alcoholic before I even turned 21. Um, and I did get sober before 21, which I don't know if I've ever told you that. No, no. Um, I, you've, you've, you've mentioned it to me. I just didn't yeah. know what like time yeah. of your life it was. It, yeah. it was something that um, started really young for me. I think the first time I started picking up substances, I was third grade the first time I had a drink. The first uh, time I got high was sixth grade. The first yeah. time I tried pills, I was probably seventh or eighth grade. Um it happened fast, and I was always the kid that was the first one to do it. Um, and I, you know, built up this sort of image that, like, I'm the party kid. So that was sort of my thing, and I owned it. Um, and I drove myself to the brink of insanity, and I tried to kill myself a couple times um, in high school with uh, drugs and alcohol. And I am very lucky to be alive. And I'm lucky that I had a couple people in my life that cared about me enough to, like, pull me out of that. Um 
uh, a, a relationship which didn't end well, but I appreciate that person for supporting me in that time um, and helping me get my shit together. Um, luckily, Ben wasn't there for that stuff, but what he was there for was the recovery because there was a reason I was doing all those drugs and alcohol. You know, I yeah. was a lot of demons that I was hiding um, that came out in a bad way and a lot of people didn't want to stick around for it and he did and no matter how mad he got at me how bad i fucked it up you know we we lived in an apartment together and we almost got evicted because of me because i wouldn't pay bills and i wouldn't you know like and he got in my face he screamed at me he did all that shit and then he said how can i help you and that's the kind of person he was wow um, so i miss him dearly <laughs> that is a really difficult thing to go through and the younger you are, it's harder to process it, yes. especially when you're close with somebody like that. Yeah. I think with my friend Steve, I don't think we were, we were definitely not on that level. We weren't, mm-hmm. and I think we were younger too, so it's a little bit different. You guys yeah. were sounds like in maybe your early to mid twenties. If, yes. if I'm if I'm yes. right about that, lived together and did everything together. Sure, and... <laughs> sure. No, no. Listen, like I have. Yeah, I mean, I'm picturing someone like you know, if like I, you know, I have a lot of close friends as well, and like I, I can only imagine how I would feel about that. But yeah. When when Steve died, we were young. We were like 14 freshmen in high school. So it yeah. was like, it was harder to process from that perspective of yeah. like, you just don't live growing up in like a really, you know, safe community like Danvers. You never yeah. think that things like that will inevitably happen. Yeah. And then they do. Yeah. And it kind of just goes to show that, you know, tragedy can strike anytime. And it's like, I guess how you pull yourself out of it. I mean, for you though, like, I know the music has been a way to like, try to like speak about how you feel about yeah. it and cope with it in what ways yeah. but like what was the coping process like for you like at the time like I mean if you could I don't know not to bring you back there but no. just I mean it was rough I again I think that the fact that when he passed I was in a very healthy relationship with someone who I love very dearly who was there to support me you know at this time I was sort of recovering from all the negativity and bad stuff that had kind of happened in that period of time, which there was a lot of good. I, I, I don't want to, you know, like we did some amazing stuff during that era, like so much fun stuff, but it was chaotic and crazy. And I was just sort of starting to like pull it together. Um, I think I was very lucky that I had the right people around me. Yeah, and I, again, I have the, the guys that I roll with in MindFlex, um, they are like ride or die humans like these are people that like forget the business if i call them and said i need your help right now every single one of them would drop what they're doing to come help me that's the kind of people i surround myself with and i'm very lucky that that's the case because i i was not okay and i I didn't even talk about this this is the second time that this has happened to me i lost my one of my closest friends in high school also damn um that was again like i'm second year in college and uh this was a kid that was supposed to move to boston with me Wow. Um, you know, he wasn't going to school or anything, but he wanted to come and move up with us and get out of hometown and get away from the mentality of, you know, where I grew up, a lot of partying, a lot of drinking, a lot of... You grew up in farm, you know, a farmland, yeah. farm sort of uh, yeah. town in Connecticut. Yeah. There's yeah. not, a, there's just not a lot to do. There's nothing to do with party. It's, it's funny, like, I remember growing up in this town, you know, and then finally, like, I got into Berkeley and I'm like, oh, sick, I'm going to go to the city. I, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm going to make all these... City friends are going to tell me all all this crazy stuff they do in the city, all this partying, all that stuff they did, all these wild stories. I'm going to tell you right now. I got to the city. I made friends in all the neighborhoods. Not a single one of them has told me a story that's half as crazy as my half craziest story. (laughs) 
I had no perspective on how out of control <laughs> my friend group was as a kid until I got outside of that world. Yeah. The thing is, you got a bunch of young kids that don't know what they're doing. They don't have a lot of guidance. There's nothing to do. There's nowhere to go. We had nothing. So, like, it was just let's get fucked up 24-7. Let's, you know, let's paint the town <laughs> red with <laughs> drugs and alcohol. Um, and I'm very lucky that um, – I'm alive. Um, yeah, and, I'm, I'm happy you and are. And I haven't lost more friends, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, uh, you know, the, the moral of the story is kids don't fucking drink and drive. Don't drink and drive. 21st birthday on my his way from one friend's to another friend's house. That's Ben? Uh, that was uh, my friend CJ. Friend, oh, friend yeah. CJ. Okay. And it's not something that you want to go through. Definitely not twice in your life. No. No, certainly not. Um, damn. Well, listen, I... This has been heavy, a heavy conversation, but I'm always here for these types of conversations. Like I, I love these when we can have them because I think they are impactful and they are important. I yeah. just want to thank you and commend you for being open and honest about your struggles yeah. with not only substances but mental health yeah. and, of course, some of these you know tragedies. Because you know we like to have a lot of fun on these on on, the, on this show and. Um, you know, we have to get insight about the music and, you know, different things like that. But anytime I think we can have a conversation that can go beyond that, that yeah. anybody can relate to. Yeah. Because I think it goes without saying that probably almost everybody that is in this world has probably lost somebody. That you care about. 100%. Even if they haven't passed away. I mean, we go through loss constantly. Life, right. Lo loss is a huge part of life, whether it's losing a job or losing a friend or mm. a relationship ending. Sure. We go through loss and, you know, we can all... I pray that you've never had to go through what I've gone through, and I'm sorry if you've gone through something worse, but we can all relate to the sentiment of loss yeah. and yeah. how we deal with that. Yeah, like I don't even like to call something worse or like better or like situation or whatever because yeah. I think it's all very just kind of like perspective and subjective mm -hmm. for, to that person. Yeah. Um, granted, I mean, yeah, like there's some things that you can just – that are un in uncomparable. But I think everybody's – there are some uncomparable situations even in this setting where like – drinking and driving like yeah. you know the that can be obviously you know massively tragic yeah. um but i think how it rocks and affects those people that like that that person or people leave behind mm -hmm. obviously always varies and like it's just it, it's just it's just hard and and, and i just want to commend you for like i said you know coming on here and feeling like you know strong enough to talk about it yeah. on air and on a, on a live on a podcast and um and the song just uh, it really is incredible. It's like a beautiful piece of art. I'm glad this is the one you chose to like commend him. Yeah. I think it puts him in an incredible light without, I mean, it doesn't, I don't think you're like shitting all over yourself or anything like that, but I think what you're doing is you, you are really just tip. Like it's really a tip of the hat of like, yeah. thank you so much yeah. for what you did for me because yeah. I wouldn't be this person today without you. Yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know what I believe in, in terms of, I'm not going to get into all of this whole conversation, but I am, I would say a spiritual person, and I know Same that. About. Yeah, I, I, I would. I don't be hard pick a book. I don't pick a book, but yes. I, I am spiritual. <laughs> yeah, I would be hard pressed to imagine that in some way, shape, or form, he's not proud yeah. of the direction you're yeah. going. Because ironically, he was like the biggest, biggest atheist that I knew. <laughs> <laughs> no way. When he passed, I remember posting on Facebook, being like, "I know you would hate that I'm saying this, but I'm praying for you." <laughs> Because it's so Cause true. You'd be like, oh, ah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, like the crankiest <laughs> bastard in the world, and I love him for that. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. 
I love, I love that we're laughing now at the end of the, at the end of that. Wow. Well, man, again, I appreciate that conversation and, um, it, it means a lot in terms of the rest of the project. I know, again, like I said, coming of age yeah. story. Um, I love the rollout idea too. I think more artists should do things like this, the waterfall, yeah. um, you know, giving little EPs that maybe come together yep. later on. Cause I know it's hard to just digest a full album. Yeah. So was that really like the the thought process there when you were putting this out and, and why these six particular songs kind of yeah. this like you have 18 songs that are going to be on this like deluxe version of the project but you have yeah. so many other music that's yeah. not making it so when it came to young grass sidewalks um for ben myself mm-hmm. and i'm missing one no that's everything right that's five grass no yeah it was young grass sidewalks sidewalks for ben myself I should know the answer. Oh, the one with the, what's the songs with the, with the features? Oh, oh, my head. My head. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like why, why those, that collection of six songs to like start this sort of like inevitable longer term project. So I guess I can give away the sauce and what the rest of the EP slash project will be called. Um, so EP number one is still afloat. EP number two is now I'm swimming. The deluxe version is still afloat. Now I'm swimming. And the idea is with EP1, it's very dark. Um, and that is really what I want people to get out of it. Like, I, when I wrote all that, I was feeling really fucked up. Um, but I'm okay. Like, my head's still above water. I just want to figure this out. Yeah. And that's kind of the message that I'm giving people. Now, the second project it gets more positive. There's change. There's movement. And now I'm swimming. Um, that was sort of the concept with it is like you know we're all trying to keep our head above water and this is this is me doing something about it i'm not gonna sit here and keep drowning in the same fucking lake pond whatever body of water you want to call it i'm gonna swim out of it and i'm gonna get myself to a better place in life and that was the concept with that and then the you know the final version will have the deluxe version will have a couple extra songs that are kind of filling in the story so that it has more context and has more depth and gives it that like ability to go back and listen to it multiple times. Um, and I like the idea of doing the waterfall thing because I'm not a singles guy. I am a marketing guy though. You know, I love marketing. I love how we can get people more interested in stuff like that and how we can use the tools that we have available to us to improve our chances as independent artists. Because while I run a record label and I have signed artists, they operate like independent artists. They own their masters. They own 80% of their royalties, um, despite not paying for any of the expenses that cost to create music, including video, photo, all that bullshit. Because you guys have that all in-house with MindFlex, all in-house, which is great. We pay $0. <laughs> it's a fantastic thing. Find a team of people, work together. Synergy. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> That's an outdated term right there. <laughs> it definitely 1999 is, is calling. They want their <laughs> business term back, their MBA term back. No, but listen, like this body of work, man, like really did blow me away. Um, and then even like, I know the single, um, floor was like, um, like so good too. Like yeah. I, 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 ironically, that was one of the earliest cuts. Really? But yeah. no, I appreciate that. And I was laughing with you cause I remember, I, I don't know if you remember this, but when it, when it dropped, I mm-hmm. reached out maybe like a couple of days or a week after. Mm-hmm. And I said, man, when I saw the runtime on this. <laughs> Five minutes and 15 seconds for a single in 2023. I thought you were fucking crazy. I am fucking crazy. You are crazy. <laughs> but then I heard the song and I'm like, nah, it works. Yep. It works. Yep. It totally works. The like, visual helped a lot because yeah. that. Shout out Ramon. 
wildly ta- talented. He because he did the young one as well too, right? Yes. That that fucking music video is unbelievable, man. Thank you. The visual you guys got with you literally, literally barely having your head above water, still mm-hmm. afloat. I'm I'm weightless. Mm-hmm. Can't kiss my breath. Mm-hmm. I feel I'm drowning. Like that shit, man. Mm-hmm. Like the visual of that. Mm-hmm. It blows me away. Yeah. Like that that right there is the visual I feel like to represent the project. Yes. It really does. I mean, you talk about capturing it fucking perfectly. Yeah. That was sort of the idea with that is that, you know, for most of the music videos for this project, I'm not going too crazy. Kind of simpler. Mi- minimalist. Minimalist stuff because it's such a stretched out. Like the final version of the project's not coming out until 2024. The second EP is not coming out until the fall. I'm doing so many things. Mindflix is dropping music every week. I was like, I can't, I can't kill myself trying to make amazing visuals, but I need to capture one visual on the first EP that really says what it's about. And that was the one. Um, Ramon and I worked heavily on the concept for that. Um, the idea for the outfit, that was my thing where that, by the way, that took about six months to draw Stella Float all over that thing. Really? It was really time consuming. It looks cool though. It looks awesome. It, it, remind, took it remind, forever. I also had matching white Converse that had it yeah. all over it as well, which you rarely can see on camera. But it really reminds me of what Mako did for his album Cool. He yeah. had he had like a like a white suit that he got like pretty much uh, like like splashes of like paint and yep. blue colors and yep. um, all these different like sentimental things from yep. like his dad and like who passed and like all these other things like that really like tied the visual component mm-hmm. together. So I loved that like. And then same thing with like OK Kirby. He has this like really crazy like cape type thing that's made of like all these different like flowers and shit. Mm-hmm. And like did that as a visual for his last project. So I think like when when artists make like a piece of clothing that is just like yeah. that is it and is representative yeah. of a certain either project or time mm-hmm. point in time. Yeah. I think that's so cool. Like I, I appreciate yeah. the shit out of that. So something that, you know, Ramon and I had figured out um, a while ago is so we, we met each other working at urban outfitters. I was his manager. Um, and oh, no way. Yes. So ironically, so my, my best friend and Ramon and my partner, Amanda, uh, we all became friends at urban outfitters at the same time. So like a huge chunk of my business and friend group and fans also are all urban outfitters people. <laughs> that's funny. Urban's a funny place because you meet a lot of people who do a lot of stuff outside of their job. Sure, like Pretty sure. much everyone I worked with has, like, a thing that they do. Like a creative thing yeah, or whatever. You know, yeah. and even if it's not even the most creative thing, they got something interesting about them. You meet cool people there. It's not the best job in the world, but if you're – hey, by the way, you're a young person. You want to meet some cool people and you got to get some kind of retail job. Uh, I hate retail jobs. But. It's terrible, but it, I think every young person should do retail because it gives you a very realistic sense of what the world is like. Uh, that is nobody true. cares about your problems, and you're probably not going to be making as much as you're worth for most of your life. The <laughs> <laughs> super valuable lesson. Well, yeah, um, I I would agree. <laughs> yeah, but okay. So Ramon and I met so through our massively mutual love of fashion initially, and then I figured out, oh, he makes music. Oh, he makes beats. Oh, he does video stuff. I do blah blah blah, and we became extremely close friends. But at some point during all of this, because um, I grew up mostly with my mother and my grandmother, who are like very creative people, and both of them like to sew and knit and stuff like that. So I've known how to do all that stuff since I was a young guy. The two of us will just make outfits for videos. Like That's literally go crazy. buy fabric and design custom stuff because we figured out we're like we don't have massive budgets for all these crazy lights and sets and rent a car and do all this stuff. The stuff we do have in our control is the stuff that we can DIY ourselves. 
Another good example, we were working on a um, video for one of the artists, Keon. I'm on the song, it's his song that I'm rapping on, but um, I, for the video, really wanted a banana seat bike. And I'm on Facebook Marketplace, I'm on eBay, I'm on OfferUp, I'm like, where can I find a banana seat bike for like not that much money? And I was getting crazy prices. I'm like, damn, I really wanna do this for this video. Now, another thing you didn't know about me, I am a registered bike mechanic since age 12. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Let's just get a shitty bike from the dump and make a banana seat bike. So I ordered some parts off the internet. We stripped the frame down, repainted it gold, put a cool handlebars on it, the backrest, everything. And we made the bike I wanted for $100. That's, I, I guess make it yourself if, you, if it's this, not if This it's is not the mentality that we've developed with the way we do stuff is like, use the tools you have and the stuff you have in front of you to make your stuff more unique and more interesting. Everybody wants to go, let's rent a Mercedes. Everybody wants to go, let's go rent this huge video studio. Let's rent a red camera. Bro, I'm shooting sick music videos on an iPhone with crap I found in my basement. <laughs> you just gotta use your brain and put more effort in. You know what I mean? And like, we learn lots of stuff. I'm not gonna sit here and act like I'm like everyone else. I know how to do a bazillion things. My dad was like, the guy that is a renaissance man. He knows how to do everything. Yeah, yeah. I'm very lucky he passed that down to me. So like Ramon and I kind of have that same thing where we're like, if we don't know how to do it, we'll figure it out. Um, so we've always had that mentality of like, what can we do to make what we have cooler and make people go, oh, whoa. But it's just like time. Sitting down and writing still afloat all over that outfit was a lot of time. There was a lot of blunt smoked on my couch while I was sitting there <laughs> writing still afloat in my mediocre ass handwriting. But it looks great on video, and that was 100% worth it. And most of those stills, all the stills for the singles are all from that video. And uh, as you'll soon come to see, because this will be out after, the cover art and the, the that one shot that you love the most, is that's the cover art. That's as it should yeah. be. As it should be. There's no reason for it not to be. Yeah. So Awesome. Um, I love it. That's always been our kind of mentality is like make – do with what you got and like yeah. you know use your use your brain be unique be creative find your angle on especially everything is like with especially with fast and everything's excuse me with fashion excuse me everything is fast 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 mm -hmm. fashion everything is all right i want it the quickest way i possibly can i want the quickest way to virality i want the quickest way to make money quickest mm -hmm. way to do all these things efficiency 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 mm -hmm. and i know time is so valuable mm -hmm. but to you know accomplish all these things it, it takes time you mm -hmm. can't you can't buy your way to a number one hit nope i saw this other quote i thought was really interesting overnight success is like 10 years in the making yeah and i love the shit out of that quote mm -hmm. because it's it, it's so real mm -hmm. no one just wakes up one day and goes oh i'm gonna start making music and then tomorrow they they're viral like no. Very rarely does that happen. If it's happened to you, congratulations. Good luck with your second song. <laughs> Seriously. I, for real. For real. You, for real. You know what I mean? Like, it, And a lot of people don't understand that. And you want to talk about 10 years? I've been trying to do this since I was six years old. Yeah. So there you go. 25 <laughs> I'm years. 31. <laughs> and you wonder why I'm so good at so many things is because I put a shitload of time into all of these things. Right. And I am extremely dedicated and I have sacrificed a massive amount of stuff in my life. You know, but I had cut off people. I lost relationships, friendships, career opportunities, ruined my credit. I like, <laughs> no, for real. I mean, people don't understand. I'm like, yeah. you really want this. I'm like, you, you, you've got to understand. 
there's it, yeah. this is like being a professional athlete. You know, you talk about right. like how hard it is to make it to the NBA. The music industry is just like the NBA. Yeah. You know, obviously you can go play basketball overseas. That's dope, but can you do that for 40 years and retire off that? No. No. Usually not. So playing those little gigs around town, like that's awesome. I'm happy for you. And if you have some other plan to back yourself up, you're golden. As long as you're happy. But you really want to send it with this stuff. I'm like, you gotta you gotta risk it all. You gotta yeah. be willing to sleep in gross motel rooms and, you know, live in a crappy apartment with roaches and whatever work bad jobs burn yourself out and then when you're tired keep going because guess what while you're sleeping i hate to say it someone else is up working i hate that saying i but hate it's it too but so accurate it is and there's a reason they say it to athletes all the time and you know i relate music to uh food and sports a lot because yeah outside a... of outside of you know that those are both things that i really love a lot i love yeah. cooking i love sports and um there's a lot you know what I mean? Well, I like the sentiment. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a perfect segue to Pop Quiz. Ooh. So, on Pop Quiz, for those that don't know, if you're a fan of Chase, just coming on to us for the first time, you don't know what Pop Quiz is. Pop Quiz is a series of questions that might be related to music or maybe not. And um, almost always are really, really like intimate questions so or things that you really care about or deeply care about that you might not think i know but i do um and you're going to answer these questions uh uh, to um as little or as long as you would like Mm -hmm. some of these questions might only require like a sentence answer so be careful saying how long i like (laughs) (laughs) well i know you're a talker we know everybody on this no i'm always joking i'm always joking it's been great um are you ready i am ready okay I'm going to start you off with three true or false statements. Okay. Okay. You can elaborate if you want, or you can just say true or false. Mm -hmm. Okay. True or false. You flipped your farm car over at least 50 times growing up. Probably not that many, but yes, that is 100% true. If you are a farm boy or you live out in the midst of nowhere, you will know that uh, we have these things called field cars, which are... um, shit that people just drop on your property now because i raced motocross and stuff when i was a kid um my dad was selling a pickup truck the guy who bought the pickup truck had a crappy old nissan Sentra that was a manual transmission he's like you know i'm gonna have a tow truck pick this thing up unless you guys want it and i was like nope that's mine (laughs) um and yeah i had aspirations of being a race car driver so (laughs) you flipped it over quite a bit a lot a lot it's good thing we had a tractor that i knew how to flip it back over again and i'm very lucky that my father literally let me do whatever the hell i wanted when i was a kid (laughs) (laughs) sounds that way yeah pretty much (laughs) okay on the car thing because i know you're a car guy true or false electric cars of the future false um and i'll tell you why um this is a really uh a good thing and i'm glad that you asked me a question that relates to stuff because a lot of people right away are going to say oh oh he doesn't care about the environment um no i do i love the environment in fact i worked um in landscaping in the tree industry for a long time and i really care about plants and and uh life and nature um just look at your first, last two music videos i love young nature and, i'm wearing a bonsai tree on my shirt look at that look at people come on i love nature and this is the thing that people don't understand about electric cars there's a massive amount of waste that goes along with them um, Those batteries are like, you can't even get rid of them either. Yeah, right? you think the half-life of a car sitting in a junkyard is bad? Asking you about how long lithium batteries take to break down. Also, asking you about if you think fracking is bad, ask me about lithium mining. Also, if you think unethical practices 
of mining overseas are bad. Ask me about lithium mining. <laughs> I do open you, up a can. Do you of guys <laughs> wake up every day that thinking Elon Musk is a good person? Because you're sorely mistaken <laughs> if you think that. I'm sorry. Um, to me, the future is like most things in life. Um, we in this country love to get very polarizing about stuff. That it's 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 gasoline cars, and if you're a Republican, you like gasoline and diesel, and if you're a Democrat, you like electric. Um, like most things in life, um, with us reasonable people who understand that that's a ridiculous argument, it's somewhere in the middle. Um, hybrid technology is fantastic because it mitigates both issues. We're burning too much fossil fuel and we can't be making as many batteries. Our planet does not have the infrastructure to create electric cars for this entire country. It's physically impossible. I've heard that. We do not have it. We do not have the ability to build an infrastructure to switch this country to all electric. It is not possible. It, it cannot happen. This is a classic band-aid and marketing solution that car companies are using to keep their sales up. And it's frustrating to watch you guys talk about <laughs> how much you know when I'm sorry you don't know what you're talking about at all. <laughs> I love you all, but please do more research before you say stuff like this because people all the time say electric cars are good for the environment. Today they are. What about 10 years, 20 years, 30, yeah. 40 years? You guys it, don't think in terms of that. Matter. It's insane. It's, it's just yeah. all these things, the amount of sacrifice we'd have to do to make something like that happen is just not realistic. No. A solid in-between option is to why are we not developing hybrid technology more? I mean, F1... Formula One racing. Do you know what kind of engines they use in their cars? Same shit that's in your Prius. It's a fucking hybrid. Wow. Yeah. Good to know. <laughs> People don't know that. The more you know. Yeah. I agree with you, too, about this whole idea of, like, why... In this country, I agree. We we feel like everything needs to be binary. Yeah. This or that. This or that. Yep. When in life, almost nothing is binary. Yeah. Almost nothing no, is, yeah, like... I, there's always a gray area to everything. Yes. And I, the fact that we have to, oh, if you're not a Democrat, you're definitely a Republican. You're definitely a, definitely a Democrat, whatever. Yeah. They just, that shit drives me fucking bonkers. So yeah. anyway, interesting. Um, this one probably feels a little bit quicker of an of a answer, but I just think it, it, I find it funny because you don't look it at all. True or false, are you, part, uh, you are part Venezuelan, but not more than 20%. So, yes, I am a small percentage Venezuelan. I don't actually know the official percentage because we have yet to do the DNA test. The DNA but, test. Uh, yeah, like, the last couple of years ago, um, I'm having conversations about my mom about her family history. And she goes, oh, you know, your great-grandfather was Venezuelan. I go, sorry, what? <laughs> because um, if you know my family, we're all white as shit. Like, I sunburn before I even step outside. Like, the reflection <laughs> of sun coming off the pavement in the window is enough to give me a sunburn. Um I for sure will have to have, like, stuff removed off my skin when I get older. I was like, huh? But we looked it up, and um, I, it turns out that my great-grandfather was, like, I don't remember what he invented. He invented some thing, and he's in, a like, a museum of, like, industrial science in Connecticut. And he was, like, kind of important. Um, and this is just so weird. So there's a running joke in my friend group um, that this is the reason that I, I have um, so much artistic flair. Because <laughs> you're Venezuelan. Because <laughs> I'm actually Venezuelan. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. So I know something about you that I find hilarious. Yeah. You're known to post some pretty wild memes and often yes. make fun that oftentimes make fun of like blind things like blind Christianity, capitalism, just general hypocrisy. Yes. Um, among many others. Yes, yes, yes. Where do you find them, first of all? Second of all, do you have any memorable ones that you've posted recently? The dinosaur one you posted recently was kind of funny. Yeah. To be honest, I start to lose track of them. Because this is the thing. Like, if you don't know this, I run 
five social media accounts for my business. So I sometimes lose track of <laughs> all of these things. Um, but yeah, man, I, I think I fell in love with meme culture when I came to college because it wasn't like a big thing for me growing up. Like my high school era, I don't know if that was just of the times it wasn't a big thing, but like people weren't talking about like memes and like Vine wasn't that big of a thing at my school. No, no. Um, Vine didn't really last that long. Yeah. It, it, had, it had its time for yeah. like a blip and that was it. It wasn't really that big of a thing for me. But then when I got to college, like people started really like showing me all the stuff and I just became like obsessed. So I joined like every like weird niche meme group and like all this stuff and then i really gravitated towards um sort of more educational memes which i would say are like this generation's political cartoon um i remember learning about political cartoons in high school and i was i always found them so appealing because i felt like they were such a nice way of like sticking it to the man in a way and just like you know kind of just showing like we think all of these people that run the country and do all these things and make all these decisions are all these super smart, well-educated, thought-provoking people. Most of them are just idiots like the rest of us, and they just had some sort of advantage in life that allowed them to get a job like that. Um, nepotism is a huge issue in this country. I would say so. <laughs> yeah, it's a huge problem. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just always dra- gravitated towards that because I, I, I love to argue um, – points and and learn and and teach people um you know like like this is a i don't know if my dad would love that i'm saying this right now but i'm gonna bring this up as an example my father was a republican for most of his life okay um i am not i voted green party for like the last couple (laughs) elections (laughs) but um he uh i used to get into like heated debates when i was a kid um, and like just being like, you're wrong. You don't understand what you're talking about. The Republican Party you grew up with is not what it is today. Right. It doesn't represent the same things. I understand your interest in X, Y, Z, whatever. So we argued and argued and argued and argued and argued for years. And I eventually got him to flip to Obama, then to Bernie, and then he voted for like Jill Stein. Yeah, like I, I worked him. But I've always loved that challenge of like, let me show people that the stuff that you've been told your whole life, the stuff that your parents told you, the stuff that your teachers told you, just because they said it and they're adults does not mean it's true, you know? And you can love and you respect your parents all you want, but you should not, your opinions in life should not be based off of what they think. It's like this phenomenon, it's called like, that now I think with social media, they call it like post-truth, where like, mm-hmm. just because it's posted somewhere, automatic, and like from a yeah. quote-unquote, someone that seems as a credible source. Yeah. yeah. And credible, I'm saying that in air quotes, because yeah. that's subjective yeah. a lot of the times. Yeah. But um, that is the truth. Yeah. And, is, and it's, not, it's not always not. Today's era, that's the internet. But when we were young, that was word of mouth. Right. And right. I've found that the meme culture is a phenomenal way to kind of break down that cycle and make people see the, like, silliness in yeah. a lot of the things that we think that, like, wow, now that I see it, see it in this frame, I'm like, that's what a dumb thing to think. <laughs> you know? That's why I like memes. I love it. Um, I know you're a massive animal lover. Yes. And you grew up on a farm with like pet raccoons and <laughs> chickens and even a, is it is a deer? Is that it's true? De- that's all true. So, other than your typical cat dog, yeah, which non traditional animal makes the best pet? Oh man, there's a couple ways I can answer that question. Okay. okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a couple in terms of like camaraderie and like you know having a personal connection with the animal. The weirdest to most loving thing I've ever owned was deer. Um, so just a backstory on my farm, we were not a like crop producing or there was, it was not a financially beneficial farm. My dad was a teacher 
this was just something that we did because we love animals. Um, and we wanted to, like, raise eggs and do the whole thing, raise chicks, do the whole thing. Um, but um, during this time when we had the farm, the financial crisis hit. And housing, right. the housing market yeah. collapsed in my area and where my dad lived um, out in the boonies of Rhode Island. Um, it's a lot of people that are sort of teetering on that poverty line. And a lot of people lost their houses and uh, or just were financially ruined to the point of they couldn't afford to keep or own a lot of the stuff that they had. Yeah. So we had a massive influx of people that had animals in this kind of farming area that could not care for them anymore. So we started taking in everybody's everything. So started out with just a couple birds and we ended up with like Noah's entire ark. <laughs> Literally. Um, so, and, uh, that's kind of the backstory to that. And then we also had a farmhand, um, who was a very well-known and successful deer hunter in the state of Rhode Island. He was like an authority on deer and he was our farmhand around the place. And, um, he had a friend that owned a hayfield and this guy's out, he's mowing, he's getting hay, blah, 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 doing the thing. And he hears a boom in the machine and he stops and goes down and look, it's a fucking baby deer. Um, oh, thing shit. got kind of up got a little cut up and he's like I, I don't know what to do and he calls the state and the state says well we'll have to come pick it up and put it down and he's like i'm not doing that that's crazy so he calls um our farmhand and uh he goes well you know maybe we can take him and he didn't have enough space at his place and he's like will you guys take the deer i'll you know come over and feed it and deal with all this stuff and we're like, yeah, screw it. So that's how we ended up with a deer. Crazy. And then, ironically, this exact same story happened a second time, and we ended up with two deer. <laughs> what the fuck? And um, but they're like loving when they're like extremely. The male um, Bucky, who is the the older one, you cannot go in the cage during the rut. Um, that okay. is their mating season. They are extremely aggressive, but. Like, they don't understand that because they assume that you're, like, a deer also and have antlers and, like, a hard skull that can handle that. So, you, other than that, though, like, they're like dogs. Wow. I bottle fed them. Wow. In my lap. Wow. In the house. That's crazy. I have a picture of that somewhere, actually. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. Wow. They're very interesting animals. Dude, that's crazy. I don't think we've had anybody on here that's, like, lived I, on a farm. I and doubt you ever will. And had a pet deer. <laughs> that was pretty crazy. Um... Wow. Okay. Um, who's your favorite Star Wars character? Ooh. Ah, uh, man. Jedi or Sith? Uh, anything. Doesn't matter. All right. Sith, Darth Maul, Jedi. Revan. Rare, rare known. Well, Jedi was a he was a Jedi and a Sith, but we'll go. We, we, we'll go. We could it. get into my uh, my other nerdy shit, but we won't. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're nerdy about Star Wars. So, <laughs> another thing you're nerdy about is NBA trade talk. You, oh. you, you, you despise yes. you despise unrealistic NBA trade talk. <laughs> it is like your least favorite thing ever. Stop thinking 2K trades are real, you idiots. <laughs> Just because 2K will allow it does not mean it's real. Fair enough. Um, if you were the Knicks GM this offseason, because I know yes. you're a Knicks fan, I am a Knicks fan. I'm sorry, Celtics fans. You guys are. Just keep this in mind. I am a Knicks fan because my family on my dad's side is from New York. I had no choice. I do love the Celtics. That is my second favorite team. Fair enough. However, I hate the Patriots, and I hate Tom Brady, and I hate Bill Belichick, and I know that's going to piss off a lot of people. But All right, this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, I mean, f you know you're a Jets fan. Yeah. Which I, I mean, hate because I'm miserable. Yeah, and... <laughs> 
I know you guys think, or maybe you don't. I don't. But Jets fans think they're saved. Aaron Rodgers is here. Not you guys are gonna suck again. I'm telling you right horrible, now. Horrible, horrible. Not I, it's so funny. Not suck, but you're not gonna be as good as you think you are. Long before there was ever rumors of Aaron Rodgers coming to the Jets, I actively go out of my way to talk shit about him. And I don't like. There's no. There's no reason I'd be watching Green Bay games. I just don't like him as a person. Oh, neither do I. <laughs> I think. I think he's, he's incredibly a arrogant. Huge arrogant jackass. So arrogant. So <laughs> arrogant. But anyway, um, on the Knicks. Yes. If you were the Knicks GM this off season. Yes. What would you realistically do to improve the team? We're actually in a good spot because, to be honest, I we could swing for the fences right now if we wanted to. If we wanted to get a top 10 player in the league. You have the assets to do it. We have everything we need. And I think we could do it without having a sort of repeat of the mellow situation where we send so much out that we don't have enough to make the team work. And we got like, you right. know. Because you probably want to keep Jalen Brunson, is my guess. Like, oh I, no, 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 no. yeah, Jalen Brunson is the only is the only player on that ridic- roster yeah. that I was one hundred percent not going anywhere. Yeah, I love Julius. I think Julius is a great player, but I think that we need more to make that work, and he needs to be reined in. Oh, he was think, horribly horrible defensively in that Miami series, like yeah. not running back on defense, like yeah. just being yeah. kind of a little pissant. And I yeah. didn't, I didn't appreciate. Yeah. Like, different for him. I never really saw him as like a pissant like that. The thing we got to remember with the New York media and New York fans is they're terrible. Um, yeah. New York Knicks fans are annoying as shit, um, and they always the second things don't go their way, they shit on everything and everyone. And as a player, imagine how fucking frustrating is that when you're twice an all-star in, in the, the time you've been on he, the team. He was all NBA this year. Yeah, and well, he was all-star. He worked, he worked, I mean, it was he was a relief all-star, but like he, that man worked his ass off. He was looked at as a potential bust. I remember that. People forget that. We do need to make a move. Um, we need shooting. There, so there's two ways we can go about this. I think we either make a move for a guy like, a, you know, a Zach Levine, who's the kind of guy that's probably going to be on the market right now that can shoot, shoot, and score, score for real and draw attention. He's not a perfect player in our system. He's not a great defender, but like that's an angle we can go. My personal choice is to go for um, a trade that is not as flashy, but like lands us what we need. Indiana Pacers, Miles Turner, Buddy Heald. Hmm. Miles Turner, one of the few, Wildly underrated. Yeah, wildly underrated. One of the few centers in the league that can for real block shots and for real shoot threes at a high clip. Yep. Um, our biggest issues right now are... Both of those things. Both of those things. Because Mitchell Robinson only does one of those. Mitchell Robinson's a great player. I really like him. But if I'm looking at what the Pacers' timeline is and age, um, Miles Turner makes no sense. Mitchell Robinson... Makes more sense. Makes way more sense. And he's wildly cheaper at 18 mil a season versus the, like, 30-something a season that uh, Miles Turner. is right. Yeah, yeah. He's, I think he's 34 mil or something like that a season. That's a lot. Um, Buddy Heald is one of the best three-point shooters in the league and has been since the moment he was drafted. Um, and yeah. he's a guy that can just, like, he just gets buckets. Um, I think that that's the trade. Huh. We're talking about two players that solve all of our problems. Almost like Buddy Heald would... They wanted Evan Fournier to, Fournier to be. That's exactly what Evan Fournier was supposed to be. I I liked him. I didn't think that was a bad. I thought the money was too much, but I didn't think it was a bad signing when we did it. I just you know this is the thing with the NBA is like you don't know when the game's gonna fall off. Right. For these players, you're right. it's all gambling. Yeah. You know. Oh yeah. But those are two guys right there that I see like that's a trade that we could for sure make without giving up. I don't even think we'd have to give up RJ Barrett. I I, I was looking at like Mitchell Robinson. Obi, who's requesting a trade right now, um, and you know Evan, and throwing up two picks. 
That might get that maybe gets it done. That gets it done. I think so. I mean, it, it makes so much sense for the Pacers as well because now you solve your center and your power forward problem, and yeah. you just open it up for the young guys. Just go out there and run. I mean, they they suck right now with Heald and Turner on the roster. Anyway, so, so why not pick the... up two picks and two players that make more sense with your timeline? There you go. This not... is why my my second career will be as an NBA GM when I retire. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm talking about. Love it. Well, man, I think you uh, you passed with flying colors Thank on you. Pop Quiz. Well done. Round of applause for you. Um, the show. We got it. We got to talk about the show. Yes. Um, I'm going to put the flyer up on the screen too, but I have a physical copy, so I'll put it up. July 6th, man. My team at Turntable Teachers in AOA has teamed up with MindFlex and Chase's team to present to you the summer school tour. Uh, this is at Exit Galleries on Thursday, July 6th, 6.30 to 10 p.m. Uh, it's in Alston. Najee Janie as the headliner. Mm-hmm. DJ Ysham, mm-hmm. the GOAT, yes, is uh, going to be DJing the entire night. Um, Chase will be there with members of the Lost Collective and MindFlex, which include Just Mac, Chin 1993, Middle Child, Francois Octave, and Ramon. We also have Swavsky, who's a Connecticut-based artist who's mm-hmm. coming up to do the show. Julian Mendoza, who's a, obviously a gr- very, very close friend of the show. And then you have a bunch of AOA affiliates, Cameron Iandolo, uh, Kaz, and Lib. Kaz is actually making her debut on the stage Exciting. for this. And, um yeah, so and we have two of our engineers, Lib and Cameron Iandolo, who also double as artists themselves, will also be in the lineup. So um, tickets are on sale now, linked in the description. Um, get them while they're while they last, because this show will sell out. We only have a limited, you know, number of people that can be in it. So yes, I mean, I think it's like I don't know what the cap is, but it's it's a, what I've been told is right like a hundred ish. If the weather is permitting, it can be a little higher, but yeah, but we've capped um, it at about a hundred, so. Yeah. Get those tickets while they last. Uh, this show is going to be freaking incredible. I'm, I'm so excited for it. And uh, this has been nothing but a pleasure getting this together with you. And um, I'm, I'm really pumped and looking forward to it. I'm so excited. This yeah. is uh, – it's been a while since I've been able to really like flex the uh, event muscle. Um, you know, given the fact that I like COVID happened and, you know, I had a tour book before COVID and all this stuff. Oh, and I was uh, like, yeah, and I got canceled and everything. Uh, it was a whole debacle. And this is the first time I've gotten to get out and do it. It's been awesome to partner with such a such a hardworking individual. This man, like I said it, I said it before. That's a good man. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Likewise, it's been like you've said it to me a couple of times. It's been great to work with someone that matches energy. Yeah. And I think we've done that seamlessly. And this has been a really smooth process for the most part. Yeah. And um, I'm excited that not we got Najee and Washam involved, and of awesome. course both of our collectives yep. coming together and, and people that we work closely with. Um, gonna be a great night of music, guys. Yep. Um, Thursday night, so it's not gonna like you know interrupt your weekend. You'll be out of there by ten. Yeah. It's not like it's gonna be a late night. We tried so. to make it uh, adult hours because, as anyone knows, that you're hitting the late twenties and your early thirties. I, I get sleepy. <laughs> We all get do. tired, yeah, dude. Yeah. I don't want to be so at be, your show till one in the morning. Yeah, yeah. You'll be out at ten. <laughs> It'll be nice. Um, so anyway, get your tickets now while they while you can on sale through the rest of this week. Um, unless you're watching this after July sixth, then you might have missed out. But yeah. if you're ch- if you're tuning in to this episode before July sixth, definitely get your tickets. Uh, good little like post July fourth little yeah. event too. So I'm um, really looking forward to it. Um, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about is uh before our final uh segment would be mindflex yeah um i want to just quickly talk about you know obviously the members i just like yeah read off who's involved yeah. um 
Yeah, kind of just like talking about the origin and like how you decided that you wanted to like start an indie like record label slash collective. That's kind of cool. I think so. The idea to start a label actually goes all the way back to high school. Um, If you can't tell by my mentality, I love business, but I love um, sort of uh, good business, not like uh, like I hate corporations. I hate rich people. (laughs) I hate. Um, that's because you're not rich. That's why you hate. Yeah, rich well, no, but you know, no, but for you know, it's ironically though, my family has money. I've been around all of it. You know, my parents, we were lower middle class most of my life. You know, um, so I, you know, I had what I had. But I've been around it, and I've gotten to see what it's like to run a big business. I've also seen what it's like to struggle. My mom was a yoga teacher. Um, started teaching yoga when I was six years old, when no one had ever heard of it, and she's run her own business and is like the foremost expert on. Hmm. Um, yoga in Eastern Connecticut. Um, wow. Like 20, over 25 years she's been doing it. Wow. Um, that's pretty cool. You know, I, I, so I've seen, you know, and that's how she raised me, that she paid everything. We, that's, we paid all the bills off right. of just her just doing that. So I've seen the the levels of the stuff. So I've always had a, a love of business and I, I've always like, how can you do business the right way? Um, and I always had this idea of like, what if I could create a label that existed for the sake of its constituents. So like uh, a truly socialist system, like the workers owns own the means to it. So like, you know, your effort in the business equates to how much ownership of the business you have. Um, and how can we create an environment where artists have the freedom to do whatever they want, how they want and pay nothing for it. Um, and that was sort of the groundwork of the idea that just grew and grew and grew. And I think most of, you know, whatever, you know, oh God, I probably came up with that idea when I was like 16 and it's been 15 years of me coming up with, you know, what does this mean? Um, and, you know, along the way I met a lot of amazing people. Chin, um, he is the one that drew the original logo. He's oh, an amazing dope. graffiti artist. No shit. Whose actual tag I cannot say on the internet because he... <laughs> He might, get, he might get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Chin was like an original founder. When yeah. did – and Ramon kind of too? Ramon came in later. So oh. the, the oldest members are Chin and Mac. Chin is oh, – okay, literally Mac. Chin and I sat in my bedroom in Alston and came up with the branding for this. He We sat down one night. We opened up my – this is we opened up my dictionary and just started looking at words. And we were trying to think about what does this label mean to us? You know, we're just looking at pages. We were yeah. writing down words that we liked. And we came up with Mindflex because it was like we wanted to make music that, you know, worked your mind out. It exercised your mind. It made yeah. you think, you know, like just because we're doing like a simple art form, which I think hip hop in a lot of senses is a very simple art form. But it's the depth that you add behind the initial layer. You know, a lot of times it's a you know, kick drum, a snare, a hi-hat and a sample. That might be it. Some vocals, you know, stuff you could just make on a laptop in your room. But it's what can you do to make people think? What can you do to make people exercise yeah. their mind? That was the the idea behind it. And then the little brain character that was just sort of like we were thinking yeah. about, like what what you know what is that represent? That's what we came up with. And Sweet. that was two it. of us came up with that in my crappy Alston bedroom. Um, God, twenty sixteen. 2017. Okay, so this has been like a little bit of a time coming. So yeah, um, so just Mac came on board around the same time. I would say probably about a year and a half, two years after that. So we started um, gigging out and stuff. We had the live, we have the live band, the Lost Collective. Yep. Um, and that was really when stuff started moving. We started booking some small gigs here and there, and then I got an opportunity to do a show um, with some uh, BU bands. 
and we sold the event out and it really impressed the Middle East. And they were like, hey, we're trying to fill space um, to do residencies monthly. And we're like, would you guys be interested? And I was like, done. Um, so that's how we started Hip Hop Night. And that's how I met Mac. Mac was the friend of a friend from the Berkeley scene. Uh, shout out to Sammy, uh, Java Jukebox, amazing reggae band. He's also now the drummer for Mighty Mystic, which is super cool. That's sweet. Um, yeah, but Sammy was um, kind of just involved in the scene. And, you know, I asked him, I was like, hey, like, I'm looking for more artists to do openers. Do you know anyone? He's like, you got to meet Mac. You got to meet Mac. Mac's the fucking man. You'll love this guy. That's how I got friends with the whole Mass Apparel crew. Got it. Um, through those connections. And Mac... Um, came out was an opener i loved his energy and he just kept showing up and showing his energy and like you know inserting himself into the conversation any way he could and i was like this he's, he's a guy that, that, that wants this it, is yeah. like yeah and we, we just became like incredibly close friends um and it's awesome so that was kind of of the people that are still there there's been some people that have sort of been a part of the movement over the years that didn't end up lasting um all people have so much love for great people that really were like important to it but like from that era uh chin and mac are the only ones that really stuck um and then um after that it was meeting ramon who i like i said i met him through work and you know we just became incredibly close friends right away um and yeah, Keon, um, who is not on the show, but a producer on the label. He's that show I did at BU actually, where we got, that was Dope. his acts were, Dope. so I met him. Um, and then God, how did I meet Eddie? Eddie was through Keon actually. They did a song together. Oh. Eddie is, Eddie is middle child. I'm going to do that a lot because he's just Eddie to me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, I met him through Keon because they were doing a song together. I liked his stuff, and we just you know became Instagram friends. He reached out and was like, hey, I, I need some beats. I sent him some stuff over. We yeah. worked together. I liked him. I invited him over for a session. We immediately like clicked, and then um, this has kind of just been the team. Um, Francois, who, again, this is Nick. I just know him as Nick. Um, I actually met him through work um, as a tree worker for uh, three and a half years. I was a tree climber. Um, that's a terrible job. Don't do it. <laughs> but we met through that. Well, it worked because I saw you climb the tree in the young video and I was like, Ooh, he's a little high up there. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Like, but you do it. So it's <laughs> no fear. I climbed four five times as high as that. That's so funny. <laughs> Every day but, for three years. Yeah. But you guys are really dropping music right now. You're yeah. dropping like now, right now you're in the process of dropping singles. I know you guys have yeah. a full project that's coming soon. Probably by the end of the year, you had told me, um, the, the group project. Yeah. Oh, sooner. Sooner than that. Much sooner. Love it. July. Oh, okay. So you heard it here first, July. We, we, we are dropping, actually, in fact, I don't know if I told you this, the day after the show, 7-7, we are dropping, because it's obviously Mindflex Fridays, we're dropping another Mindflex song. So. Let's go. <laughs> big, big week, man, huh? Yeah, Holy. It's, a, it's a wild week. Holy shit. So yeah. the EP just dropped, we got the show, 7-6, mm. and then... Friday. 7-7, seven, seven, we'll have another song from that project. And then every Friday after that, another song on the project until it's out. And I think it's four that we have to drop and then the project's out. So maybe it's a beginning of August. I'd have to, you know. For, uh, for the, the, the actual project, yeah. How um, many songs is on that? I think it's 14. Might be more with the skits. We're unsure if the – we've got some cool skits on there. So we're not sure if those are going to end up like on the songs or as like separate tracks. So f approximately 14 songs. Got it. Awesome. <laughs> Well, hey, a lot of music to tune into with Chase. Obviously, we have the show July 6th at Exit Galleries in Austin. Make sure you check it out. Man, this has been such an awesome episode. I'm Amazing. like, uh, I'm, this has been so much fun. Um, I know it's gone a little overboard, like time-wise than a lot of our other episodes, but like worth it. 
Yeah. Uh, this has been a really engaging conversation. Um, a lot of laughs, a lot of like heartfelt things. Uh, you know, really got back into your, your like your roots. Um, I just appreciate your honesty, your openness in this episode. It's been uh, nothing but a pleasure, and um, I'm excited to for this show that we have coming up, and and the more work that we're going to do in the future together, and the other shows we're going to have throughout the New England area that we're going to definitely attempt to do this rest of the summer. So Absolutely. And hey, any booking agents out there that are looking to book some music, reach out because yeah, we're taking definitely. this on the road. We got stuff in the works, but if you got something for me, let's talk. Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. And any artists that uh, are interested in performing at any of our sh- uh, upcoming shows, reach yeah, out too. I've already, yeah. already had a couple of people that we'll talk off here that yeah, want to, yeah, yeah. that reached no, out. They're look, like, they if, like, they like it. If so. we can't get you on this show, we- Mike and I clearly work well together, and this is going to be a thing we're going to continue to doing. So if I can't get you on this round, we'll find a way to work you in. We're trying to, you know, again, we're trying to create a scene here, which yeah. means, you know, yeah. we got to get everybody involved. And yeah. I, I love working with other people. So. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Can't just be the same people no, all, no, all the no. time, which yeah. is fine. There's nothing wrong with what we're doing. But, like, obviously, like you said, I appreciate the fact that we're trying to get other, yeah. you know, other artists involved and, um, yeah, really, like, build the scene and, or at least be something that the scene can rely on as, like, yeah. a place to perform. And there's a couple other, you know – Things that do that, but or entities that yeah. do that, but imagine always... what happens if we all come together, though. Mm-hmm. This 100%, is where I'm at. This 100%. is how we make this scene succeed. People don't give Massachusetts enough credit for the amount of talent we have here, and we got to change that. Yep, that is that is. I've been I've been saying that for yep. years, and that's why I, I do what I do. But yep. um, man, it's been an awesome episode. Um, can't let you leave yet without the open response segment of the show, and of course, this is the dream song scenario. So I'll uh, I'll lay it into you. So you got a song. It's your song, yep. Chase's song. Yep. Um. And you can have any artists and producers on this thing, dead or alive. I'll structure for you. You get one to two producers and you get three guest vocalists. How you structure it's up to you. Like you can do the hook and give them the verses or have someone come in and do the hook and do two of the verses. Whatever you want to do, it doesn't matter. It's your dream song. So who would be on Chase's dream song scenario? Again, one to two producers and three guest artists. Take as much time as you need. You've been doing it anyway all episodes, so you might as well Yeah, take your time. <laughs> okay, well, the producer one is easy to answer because my goat, in terms of hip-hop, my goat is Ninth Wonder. I feel like I've heard you say that yeah. on, a, on another podcast. Yeah. You said Ninth Wonder. Yeah. Because I believe, actually, if I'm not mistaken, the podcast that I listened to with you we were on recently. Uh, was it was Barry, Barry Mars. Barry, Barry, yeah. Yes, shout out him, Barry yeah. Mars. Um, he asked you, I think, a similar question yeah. of some sort, yeah. I want to say. Yeah. I've been doing this dream song scenario thing for like yeah. ever. Well, I think uh, any music podcast, I think this is like a good – It's a nice It's a good one. question. It gives you insight onto like what, where is this, pe- where is this right. person coming from in terms of their music. Right. Ninth Wonder makes sense. Yes. Especially for you. Lost yeah. production. Like yeah. I, I think that works. He's one of those guys that's like very sample-based but like is unafraid to like push the boundaries of what you sample. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a good example, and actually my first vocal artist that I would choose would be Kendrick, and a good example of that is Duckworth off of Damn. Yes. That is like, you want to talk about a guy taking the core fundamentals of what hip-hop is, like the the DJ premiere yeah. school of thought, and then pulling in like the wildest, weirdest jazz stuff you can get. I mean, he sampled Hiatus Coyote on that. You want to talk about weird music that I love? There it is. Hiatus Coyote. <laughs> so it's... I like th- that world. So I would say probably Ninth Wonder, Kendrick. I think I'd have to D'Angelo. Ooh, that's an interesting. I don't think yeah. we've gotten D'Angelo on here. I love D'Angelo. He's great. Some of y'all are probably too young for D'Angelo. Your parents were fucking to that, though. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, it's okay. I just wasn't expecting that. Um. That's great. 
And, oh, shit. I don't know what my, my last one would be. It's already coming together. Yeah. I, so, Ninth Wonder, Kendrick, D'Angelo, and I want to throw something weird in there. It's your dream song, so don't worry about like how it would sound, right? Yeah, but I can't help that. You can't help that. Fucking producer. That's you <laughs> well, you could make it work. Uh, this is like the NBA trade of of music <laughs> stuff. You you're, made you're, the mistake. You're vehemently like, no, no, <laughs> this is not going to work. I need this my is, analytics, brother. This is in fantasy land. We don't do this in 2K <laughs> fantasy land. Jesus. Oh, I got a great one. Nick Hakim. Not familiar. Nick Hakim. Okay, well, I will. You are familiar. You just don't know you are because I know you. You like Absol, right? Love Absol. Yeah. So you listened to his last album. Yes, I did. So, uh, uh, do better. Yes. That sample. Yes. Nick Hakim. Oh. And that is uh, so it's Green Twins by Nick Hakim, which is like my favorite Nick Hakim song. I, Nick Hakim is an amazing library of music. Um, huh. But yeah, he actually was a Berkeley cat, so. A lot of people no don't know way. that. Um, and he has, like, roots here. I think some of his band might have been from here. Um, but I saw him at the Sinclair in, like, 2018, maybe. Uh, one of the best shows I've ever been to. It was funny. I could tell he was thought he sucked all night because he kept doing this, like, fuck, I keep fucking up thing on stage all night. <laughs> but <laughs> um, super talented and great guitar player, great vocalist, keyboard player. Really cool, psychedelic, kind of weird sound. I feel like I would have fun having him kind of create the sounds that Ninth Wonder samples that me and Kendrick rap over and D'Angelo sings the hook. That would be my song. Well, there you have it, people. Yeah. Chase featuring Kendrick, D'Angelo, and Nick Hakim produced by Ninth Wonder. Mm-hmm. I think it would be a hit. We're going to speak some of these things into existence, even if it's unrealistic. Um, <laughs> you never know. You never know. <laughs> um, we're all about manifestation at Turntable Teachers, as, as our, our, our listeners know. So anyway, man, thank you again. Awesome episode. This has a lot, been a lot of fun. Summer School Tour, July 6th, Exit Galleries, Alston, Massachusetts, 6.30 to 10.00. Get your tickets now in the in the description. Um, I'll leave the rest to you, floor to you, to plug away anything that you need. Socials, yeah. Sh- any sh- last shout outs, whatever you got to do. Go ahead. That um, camera, that camera, wherever you want to look. I On all social media, you can find me, chase.wave. That's W-A-V, like a wave file. Um, if you don't know what that is, that's like music nerd crap. Um, and you can find the rest of my team on mindflexrecords.com or on Instagram, which is mindflexrecords. Um, give us a follow, check out what we got going on. Um, if you, as of this episode, my project will be out, um, still a float EP, check it out. It's going to be on all streaming platforms. I'll have some more music videos coming out over the summer. Um, and yeah, come out to the event. It's going to be awesome. We got, uh, 1906 is giving out free samples, well, vouchers for free samples at a local dispensary all night. And Topo Chico, free drinks all night, which is going to be a blast. So if you weren't motivated by how sick the music's going to be, free stuff is cool. Yep, and we, may, we also might be raffling off some other uh, prizes as well. Maybe, right? Allegedly. Yeah, allegedly. There might be some <laughs> prizes that will be raffled off, like merch, and if you're an artist, maybe studio time yeah. or a free mix or something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if you're an artist or musician, again, or, uh, or podcaster, whatever you do creatively, make sure you... Uh, hit us up AOA Studios um, again like I mentioned at the beginning of this episode we are running a special on all of our services through the rest of the summer so make sure you take advantage of that if you're a fan of Chase just come on to us for the first time you can follow us at Turntable Teachers on Instagram and uh, TikTok we are doing the TikTok thing and uh, hit up our website turntableteachers.com for all the latest blog articles and episodes and merch and whatnot. Um, and yeah 
thanks so much for tuning into this episode chase once again for being here this is uh thanks for being here this has been phenomenal um appreciate your time of course and uh yeah can't wait to see what we do in the future man gonna be great gonna be awesome so as always i'm mike that's chase with the turntable teachers and class is officially dismissed Turn to the